feeling amazing. Um, I noticed some of my content creator people are taking a break as they should, you know. Um, and and it's okay too because I mean this is today was one of those days where I just kind of moved around some of the things I had to do. Um, and with the longer days, I'm able to kind of fit more in, so I'm adjusting to that. And so I thought this would be a great chance to just do, I've been doing chit-chat styles a li little bit lately, but I know I'm going to title this something along the lines of like um, how Robin Hood has a um, FDIC limit of $1.5 million. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, plans for buying like gold coins. So it's just going to be surface level, but obviously you're welcome to tune in. I would say if you want to hear like the biggest, you know, jump or something, you could come back in like a year from now. Or I would say by, by next August, um, that's going to be such a huge milestone for me. And even as I'm saying it right now, too, it's kind of like I push myself so hard sometimes. Um, and it's different because a lot of you know I've switched over to passive income because but but even I think it's different when you switch over from being so hands on and showing up to the to to the job every day but again even as I'm talking this through I'm fleshing out the limiting beliefs because um just because I was going to work 9 to 5 every day sometimes working on the weekends you know taking doing a bunch of assignments and stuff like that it didn't mean I was accelerating my my income any much faster or any much quicker. Um, and so um, it has been a little bit of a transition. Um, and so what was just happening right now was like, I'm excited for the 36 month mark. But at the same time, I just had to remind myself to celebrate the milestones that I'm reaching right now to by the end of this year, for, by August, for, by for sure. I should be well over six figures, um, which is nice, you know, um, type of a thing. So, but with that being said, one of the important lessons I learned from my um, stock mentor, um, and I took classes and courses from her, um, was the importance of locking up your, your um, returns, meaning... Um, it's the same thing you would do when you're when you have your paycheck or when you're employed. Um making sure that you're putting aside money for savings. And so I haven't I you know, the the times that I have it has helped me when there's like little pockets of emergencies and so I'm just like every other human being in the sense of like sometimes we will save that three to six months savings and then something will happen and we have to dip into it but thankfully you know when I was talking to my insurance mentor I had my my um cram exam today studying for the the, the state exam and you know I, I felt you know it's so funny I just talking this out kind of um, is bringing up the past guilt stuff. But I I remember feeling so bad because um, back when I was initially in insurance, I had my stuff, everything set up. And it's like during the pandemic, I had to dip into it, you know, and that is what got me from one hurdle to the next. And um, so I'm in the process of having to rebuild that back up. And 
Um, she said, you know, thankfully you had it, right? Because a lot of people didn't have it. So it's like just learning not to beat yourself up, but understanding that that in the times of um times of feast to put aside, you know, um savings. And so um one of the, the things I've been doing the most right now is just diversifying my income. So I'll get income and then I'll split it and I'll put it into different things that I hear about, like as far as it pertains to crypto primarily, but a lot of you know I'm super duper. If you didn't know, excited about Google ads, cannot freaking wait to get that started. And it seems like the group that I'm in, our goal, like I, I don't know, I have to check with um the mentor on that side, but she um, and, and just kind of ask her because I see a lot of people talking about how long it takes them to get 200 units. Um, and when you when you get 200 units, you're going to be making 100,000 a month. If I'm am I am I mistaken? Because I, I, I did the math. Let me let me just double check something real quick. Because it is. <laughs> let me open up my calculator. Quick segue. So if you do 200 units, whoops, 200 units times 500. Yeah, that's 100,000. So if you, if you get 200 units, your income, you would have $100,000 worth. And then you'd multiply that times 25% because you'd be getting 25% a month. You'd be making, yeah, 25 the, the math on that you'd be making twenty five thousand a month, so that's what um the the goal is for some people some people have some people make more than that per month some people in the group make eighty thousand a month a year at their regular jobs, so they're buying units in order to replace you know like fire their boss and I've already mentioned um one of the guys and this this um opportunity has been around for six years, so I imagine one of the I've mentioned the guy that he makes sixty seven thousand dollars a day from the Google ads. So, um, I ma- I imagine like if you keep consistently putting money towards it, um, that is the beauty of compound interest, right? Um, but I'm being reminded that it's important for me to set aside my stash and I do have things that I have to build up. Um so rebuilding my emergency fund. Back in the days your emergency fund needed to be three years. Uh first it used to be three years, then it was six years and after the pandemic they said one year. So there's that aspect of things. The other one too is um like I was mentioning before, I up until like even just last week, I'm investing in like different diversified things like at this point I have lost how many track of how many I have them written down um and some fell through but <clears throat> for the most part um at least I, I I try to have at least eight streams of income right and and it's not that I'm spending all of them um I am compounding the rest and living off of one stream of income Right now, but so what's good? What's going to be important? I think once I go into the Google Ads aspect, yes, I'm going to be, um, I'm excited about it, like helping uh, my parents with their mortgage, which is something I've always wanted to do. I thought I'd do it later on in life, but 
that's really, really cool. I feel that sense of accomplishment. I am, no lie, kind of second guessing if I want to splurge that much on a vehicle and take on a new car payment, especially since I just finished paying off my, my other car, but I don't know. Um, and so what's going to be critical for that is, yes, I'm going to be compounding. Um, I'm going to be reinvesting $1,000 back into Google Ads per month. But I think that um, right around August is where I need to, to kind of fine tune um, how much I want to put away for, excuse me, um, how much I want to put away in terms of um, stock. And how much I want to put away in terms of um, gold coins. Um, if you want an idea of who I'm, which which company I'm going with, if uh, some of you follow Crypto Kempire, I've mentioned her before. Um, and if you type in gold, that's uh, that's who I learned the information from, and that's who I'm, you know, the company I'm gonna go with. And I think it's really fun. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, I'd be that auntie that's going to give people like a gold coin. But I, I don't know. I'm kind of second guessing it, too, because I feel like, you know, they'd be like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this gold coin. Like, you know, it's kind of boring or might not have as much value to them. So I don't know. But that's one of the things I want to start um, accumulating those. And then... um what was so interesting for those of you who've been with me on this journey, you've heard me mention that one of the other goals I have is to grow my, I want to purchase the stock VTI, a combination between VTI and VOO, um, which is Vanguard Trading Index. And I forget what the OO stands for in VU, but it's also a Vanguard product. And um, I was like, well, I know that it, it, it's it mm, how do you say it has a return of on average of five percent a year give or take um and so if i grew with the 2.5 million then i could live off the five percent you know and obviously keep growing it that would give me 125,000 a year which is nice because Let's say I don't have to live off of that. That one hundred and twenty-five thousand would just go back in for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, you know. Um, and so in ten years, it would grow to you know like three point five or or even more because of the compound aspect. And so if if all my other stuff fell through, if I'm responsible enough, I should have enough in stock. But so now, going back to the information for Robinhood, it is a little bit concerning. I mean, it's a good thing, but it's still concerning because here's what I was thinking. A lot of us know that um, most banks um, only have FDIC up to $250,000. So, you know, you can only do so much with that. And there's so much chaos going on in the banking sector right now. So, it is nice to know that Robinhood has FDIC coverage up until 1.5 million, but then that makes me concerned because if I do try to grow my account to 2.5 million, I'm kind of like, now I'm having to figure out how can I put it into something else that will be protected or that's a little bit more stable and, and I can pre protect for my family and for future 
generations because you know I feel like sometimes they do play around like it's the audacity for me like when the um and you can see the difference between especially after I heard about the book the Athena Code I haven't read the book but basically in principle the Athena Code it talks about how organizations that are run by women the employees are happier they tend to be more productive and it's better for the community and the environment and all this other stuff and one of the things that struck me about the Silicon Valley Bank or SVP, SVB um, collapsing was that right before the collapse, the all of the head honchos took their money out and paid themselves profit and then let, proceeded to let the thing collapse. And um, I remember um, they, there was a feature of a, a, a woman based company. Cause it sounds like a lot of, uh, venture capitalists or like small business owners like to use Silicon Valley bank for if they're entrepreneurial and to, and for payroll purposes and whatnot. And so this woman, she has a company that services women that with parenting pregnancy, I believe, um, all those things surrounding healthcare, and as soon as she found out um, what was happening, one of her investors, which you know, um, to I guess to his credit, it was it was a it was a male, but he said, "Listen, you need to take the money out um, because that the it's about to collapse." So her immediate thought was, "Oh my goodness, I need to protect my employees." I need to make sure that we can still be around to, you know, service all these women. These people are depending on us and I cannot fail them. And so she went into action quickly, connected with the other people in the in the organization and went down to the bank and was able to recoup her funds. And it's like it's the difference between just being just so selfish and and um reckless and you know no regard for other people as opposed to you know sometimes for the most part I think a woman's nature is kind of like how do I protect you know my employees how do I protect the 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 clients that I have there's something greater outside of myself there's greater some something greater outside of me there's a bigger purpose and people are depending on me type of an attitude. But I say all that to say, so banks only insure up to $250,000, which is so sad. It's a sad lesson to learn. But I think that, you know, one of the things I've learned in life is I don't necessarily have to go through things. I can observe what's going around me and I can start to maneuver you know, what, what can I take away from it? How can I protect myself? Because the, I've heard, um, there was a woman that had $8 million in, in her, in her account. It was her life savings. And it's like all this time she has done everything right, you know, put it, put aside a good nest egg and in all, in all other Regards, she did everything right. She made sure she wasn't going to be a burden to society. I'm pretty sure that even even when I think about it now, like in terms of increasing some of the nicer things I want to do, it's always in the back of my mind, like not to overextend myself, right? But I feel like 
at $8 million, and I don't know too much about her lifestyle, may or may not have been too extravagant, but if you have mortgages due, car payments or leases due, education stuff and um, travel plans and, and certain lifestyles when it comes to like hygiene and, you know, like massages, tennis lessons, yoga classes, swimming classes, golfing, all those things that you're used to a certain, you know, bracket of income and, and you're also learn, planning to retire in the sense of like, um, we've been talking a lot about how long-term care easily can cost you upwards of $5,000, $20,000 a month if you're doing um, interim, in-home care, um, respite care, um, or anything like that, right? And so it's like, can just to wake up overnight and realize that your money is gone like her money is gone children um and the most that she can get back is $250,000 it's a, i think it's it's very important for me to think about now as i'm going to be one of those um you know starting to join those ranks of of that what does it mean to overextend myself and that's part of the reason why i think it's important to like secure my one of my parents' houses as an asset that it can be paid off and all I need to do is just do the property taxes. And it's something that I, if worst case scenario, if I need to go to McDonald's and flip burgers 40 hours a week, you know, to just pay the property tax, you know, once a year on it, but it stays in the family, it can be passed on to my niece, you know, it's definitely worth it as opposed to carrying, um, a mortgage and what does it mean to have myself open to liabilities like having certain cars and um you know not not even like I would say certain cars but to have open liabilities towards like I have multiple leases or I don't at least have one owned car that you know I can always fall back on that you know if, let's say if I have to turn my lease back in for one of the cars at least I have a little Honda that can get me you know from A to V that's good on gas and whatnot, right? So um, I think it's important to, to think about um, saving, diversifying your income, diversifying your savings, locking up your savings. And I hope that you caught what I meant when I said that I've been investing, but now I need to lock up my profit because um, I need to determine how much of it is going to be just not reinvested or not spent, but I'm going to lock it up in other things like, um, like I mentioned, like buying at this point, $1.5 million worth of, of stock, the VTI, right? And um, I don't know, I'll have to figure out stuff. I'm really has, and, and the other one was in coins, you know, um, a good benchmark a good benchmark is to save, I I want to say 6% of your income. Um, and the reason, <laughs> that's my little one. <laughs> He's so fuzzy. I don't know what his problem is. But um, um, the reason I say 6% and some people can say you can be a little bit more aggressive and or go up to 15%. And I think that even after a certain while, like, 
when you start to jump, like for for example, uh, um, six figures for me is more than enough that my little heart could handle. Like I I would have to really have a full time job of running through you know six figures, given where I am now. If I moved up north, um, to Northern California or other parts of the of the United States, yeah, I I would definitely be in poverty levels, right? But, um. What what how do I pay attention to make sure that I'm not overextending myself? What I was gonna say is let's say that I'm comfortable with the income that I'm in right now. I don't necessarily have to spend everything in excess that comes in from, you know, my other income. I can now start to squirrel it away into things like gold and the stock, right? So a a certain percentage will go back into reinvesting and compounding. A certain percentage will go into getting locked up in stock and a certain percentage into um gold. How did I come up with 6%? So when you um work for your employer, when you're employed, um they contribute 3% to your retirement fund and like the job that I was at, you could match up to 3% and then um so you would be saving at least 6% of your income right but i think that you can be a little bit more aggressive especially if you're getting exponential income um i'm also going to be researching a little bit more like i'm so curious about how to use your insurance policy to to build up cash value in there and I think that would be a great way to um, protect some of your assets. So I, I'm looking for, I need to pass my state exam first, y'all. I, I have been so busy a little bit and kind of need to get past my car thing. And my my niece has her track and field stuff that I go to in between my other lifestyle stuff I have to take care of. So just kind of navigating through that. But I do need to take, I need to do, need to schedule that. Um <coughs> sooner than later so I can start asking questions and stuff but um so yeah so importance of saving I gave you benchmarks of three percent six percent um importance of reinvesting importance of locking up your funds and uh, talked about importance of diversifying up, diversifying how you lock up your funds. So um, you wouldn't just throw everything into stock or just everything into gold. I would. The other thing I was going to say is I am truly hesitant about real estate, especially given all of the things that I saw. And especially like I think I told you the story about my parents. They sold one of their houses in the Los Angeles area but they had tenants and when the pandemic happened um they didn't pay for 12 months they weren't paying utilities so my parents had to pay to keep that on um Los Angeles County is one of the worst places to be a landlord um and they had to end up paying the the tenants I want to say it's close to $60,000 cuz all of the loopholes I I shit you not because of the way that um, it's set up, you have to pay the two adults. So since there were two adults, they were entitled to like 30000 30, a piece. Um, and that or you couldn't sell the house. But if you make it a negotiation, then you have to pay them like double, triple 
type of a thing. And it was messed up too because my parents tried to do the Christian thing and it was supposed to be a family of a family of a family friend. So it was my family's friend. And then they had a family member that, you know, they're like, oh, well, if you're looking to rent it out, you know, can you put my, I think it was her son-in-law and her daughter or like her, no, no, no. It was something like her niece, I think. And, and his, and her husband. And, um, they, they just put it at the regular, like rental, like it was, they basically undercharged for rent. So, um, I know people, it, it's so funny to me when I listen to things on this side of things. And I remember talking about how I transitioned over to a landlord perspective because sometimes people talk so bad about landlords, but until you become one, like you have no idea all of the um expenses that go through it. And so my parents had to go through juggling their properties that they had, plus that mortgage payment that was supposed to be, you know, additional income, which they were underpaying, plus they were paying utilities. And so they didn't give a damn, of, like if they kept the water running or, you know, ran the, the AC or heat up or anything like that. And so um, it was just a complete nightmare. And I, when I think about how even a lot of landlords are turning away Section 8, I get it. I get it because I think part of the sad part is There's not, they're not getting enough income to keep the property up. And so with that being said, also, a lot of the times there's a lot of wear and tear. And so it can only last for so long. And then if you throw in there that they're not getting paid 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, how are you supposed to, you know, I feel like, what should have been a really good fallback plan. And, you know, one of the things that we used to say back in the days was, you know, real estate is a great investment because people will always need to pay their rent. It's it's something that's a recurring, people are always going to need a place to stay. But I think especially with the panic, with the pandemic, it really opened up my eyes to like, that can be such a liability. Can you, you know, try to mitigate or offset some of that? Mm, yeah. And so, but I, w- I think that one of the important conversations is to just figure out like to what point, excuse me, <clears throat> to what degree are you over leveraging yourself? Um, and so instead of like being so quick to get like 10 doors, you know, is what they call it. Maybe it be- really is better for you to just pay one off or sometimes if you're kind of like in the flipping thing where you have the property for four years and then you buy another property, just be on the conservative side, you know, and I think not be afraid to move quickly if if things kind of start to go south, you know, and then and then the question is, if you're trying to you know, like I'd say dump a four, a fourplex, right? A four unit um, complex and everything is red. Who's going to want to take the risk of catching a falling knife? So that's why when I think about like that woman in, you know, 
did everything right. I don't know her profession or anything like that, but to have eight million dollars and feel like you did everything right, you know, and then just to have it squandered and reduced to two hundred fifty thousand is making me think about what I want to do with my Robin Hood plan. Because like I said, I wanted to grow up to two point five, and I just felt like five million would be even better you know, and, and just keep growing it and pass it on to the kiddos and stuff like that. But um, that is not the way. So, I, you know, at least I can kind of plan ahead and figure out, you know, what's coming down the pipeline. Like, okay, I, I can go to 1.5. That's half the goal. So let's get to 1.5 and then let's figure something else out. Um, And it would be kind of funny to have like one point five million dollars in coins um you know, I don't know, I guess at some point I'll start to hear how much people have in coins and stuff but um but just something as a backup plan, and I don't know, I mean, when you think about how little two hundred and fifty thousand is in your in your checking account um you know, in terms of, of, of how to invest and stuff like that, you're welcome to stay tuned and, and figure that, that part out, you know, as I figure that part out. But yeah, that I just wanted to share that with you. That's kind of what's on my plate. And, and it's a sweet, it's like the sweetest distraction too, because I am a little bit kind of like over the, you know, just sort of the more remedial conversations and stuff like that. Um, so I can just give myself something to think about. And one thing I do like is that even just having this, this thought is like, um, it will bring more information into me. Like I'm just calling it in. So I will start to learn about what different opportunities and what different people do and what are alternatives to investing in real estate? What do people do? Uh, you know, are there other platforms that I could put my um, money in that insure more than 1.5 um, with FDIC? And I think the biggest thing is going to be really interesting, y'all, is the insurance policy. Because you can build up cash value. But again, um, I think after $2 million, you have to get a, a health a health. Um, report or whatever but at this point it'd be just worth it because at least you're protecting that one of the cool things that a lot of people don't know about insurance companies is they insure their assets seven times banks are not required to reinsure their insurance like insurance companies like let's say i take out a million dollar policy it will be insured seven times so they will take out six other or seven other insurance policies to make sure that those policies will pay me in the event that they can't pay me my $1 million. Banks are not required to do that. So when you have some a company or a bank like SVB, if the money is gone, it's gone. If they don't manage it, you know, or they over leverage themselves because part of what happened with SVB is um, they had purchased, I think was it bonds, you guys? I think it was they had purchased bonds and then when the um when the government increased the 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 rates the inflation their bonds it they they were kind of like climbing an avalanche and then 
On top of that, when the prices were falling for mortgage, um, they went and over leveraged themselves with mortgage purchases and bought like a lot of homes. But I guess people weren't making their payments on the mortgages. And then like the, the prices kept dropping. So they were losing on so many, but they're not required to insure their bonds or insure their mortgage um, stuff. And they, you know, same thing like how a lot of us are told, real estate is the way to go. And so it collapsed, right? Um, so one of the things I will be exploring is what it means to build up cash value in my insurance policy, upwards of $2 million. But this is something that's, you know, over, I would say, maybe the next 24 to 36 months, because next year, if everything goes well, I should be hitting the million dollar mark. But um, remember, I have to grow my stock to at least 1.5. And um, and so I have a little bit of wiggle room to kind of um, figure things out. And, you know, I, I'm going to say this a little bit. Don't come for me. But... um. I was even thinking like like the um insurance group that I'm with, they're going to have another convention in Vegas this summer. And um it was really nice to be around those type of people because um from all walks of life, but these are people who are self-driven, self-motivated and wanting to learn more about the financial aspect of things and into self self like um because one of the things they tell you, like, yeah, me growing my business, the, the cool thing about me growing my business is my book of business, my clients will go to my to my family if anything happens to me. So my niece more than likely will inherit my client base. It's like that, too, if you're married to somebody that's in the insurance business, the all the spouse has to do is take the test and then um they will start to train you and everything but you will keep your clientele base and then the other cool thing too is um the your business partner is like anytime somebody passes you are one of the first phone calls and you you know even in those times of of grief so you help to make sure that they get their the the funds that they need for the burial or that they inherited something or making sure that the state is taken care of. So to me, it's not just, I'm not just trying to put everybody on board. I'm I'm conscientious that these are going to be my business partners. I have an idea of, of how professional I want them to be. And again, that worst case scenario, these are going to be people that are going to be reporting to my niece, you know, and she's going to be taking over my book of business. So, but, you know, if you're looking for people that, um, that kind of reverberate on that level, then I I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea. Um, when I was looking at all the different couples and stuff like that, it's nice to see like how they, in fact, one of my mentors, she, um, she got connected with a guy that was an insurance, um, through their circles. And I'm like, that makes sense, right? Because they have things in common for the most part. And so the reason I say don't come for me is because I will not be, you know, um, in the dating pool. Like I will be on the side of the pool with my sunscreen on, sipping my pina colada, 
you know, and and music on, headphones on, but no, not I. But but I mean, it's something to think about. I, I um, and and it's the 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 group that I'm with. They um, but I figured out it's because they have Mormon um undercurrents. Um, and if you know, you know, in terms of the financial world, like, um, the Mormons kind of run some of the financial institutions and so, but one of the things I've been noticing that in the news lately, a lot of Mormon couples, like the, they've been taking out their wives and I just couldn't really, I just felt bad, but I figured right along with all the other femicide rates, it happens. But I just found out within the last day or two, oh, I remember what it was that that um, brought it up again. Uh, for those of you who recently heard about this dentist that um, he he poisoned his his wife and he was putting like cyanide in her smoothies and they had at least three kids. I know they had kids for sure. It might have been six. I think it might have been six, five or six kids because Mormons tend to have a lot of children. It's part of like their religion thing or whatever. But for sure, for sure, they had at least three kids from what I remember. And so, but the the religious ideology behind why he and other men do this is because they don't condone divorce and so they feel that in their religion if you um that if you get a divorce like you'll be condemned to hell or like basically that partner is for life like this life and the afterlife and every like it's it's like um it's twin flamish kind of like that is your partner into infinity and beyond like in this life and afterlife like you know, she's passed on when he goes, passes on, he's going to meet her and have to account for why the hell he poisoned her. But it was interesting because somebody in the comments was like, okay, so it's, it's, it's frowned on to have a divorce, but it's okay to murder someone. So he's going to have to reconcile that with with whatever higher powers. And, and this kind of ties into when I said, um, in my, one of my last podcasts where I was saying some people are capable of asking what would my inner higher self do? And in his case, he doesn't have a higher self, like even being part of a religious institution in his case, I'm not saying the whole religion. Cause like I said, don't come for me, but he doesn't have, he didn't have, remember I talked about how some people literally are vegetables. Some people are animals some people are like human and then some people are transcended. And so he was just in an, in his animalistic, you know, um, um, state of being where he didn't have conscious morals or values or, or to kind of see through it. And the thing is, he was held in high regard, you know, in his community, as most of them are, because they're encouraged to be, you know, um, like elders and active in the church and part of the community and on boards and stuff like that. So that was just a tragedy. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> if if some of you are still into, you know, like dating, like get you an insurance dude. Um, and, um, but if, if, if you're not like me, then, Hey, 
But with that being said, like I look forward to going to the convention um, in Vegas. I love Vegas. Like I want to buy a house out there. But um, there's there's so much stuff I like out here. And so, I don't know. Maybe I could now that I think about it. I'm learning how to push through my limiting beliefs so much quicker now. Um, the space I'm in right now, like I could spend one, one week a month out there, like just go out there, veg out and then spend the three weeks here. So that would be cool. I could do that. I just thought about that. Okay. It's back on track. Like that's goals. Um, I like Summerlin. Like that's one of my favorite cities, Summerlin. Um, so not so much the strip, but I do like the shopping and the activities and stuff, but, um, but not really a casino girl, that type of thing. But I, I do like, you know, the activities and the shopping. Uh, and and the houses in Summerlin specifically. Like, those are newer homes. Lots of open light, hard, um, not necessarily hardwood floors, but kind of like the marble floors or like the tile floors. I love that. Um, usually double stories and huge... Um, walk-in closets I like how they do the bathrooms and the bathtubs and usually for the most part the layouts and how they have like an a den on the second floor and um I love that they also have like an in-law suite and they have um office space so it's like all the things that we didn't think about when we first started making houses it's like you they now structure it to where you can have a guest area in you know close to the front or the back where they have like their own little kitchenette um their own master bedroom master bath type of a thing um you have your office space and then you have not only your living room downstairs but you have like your den upstairs um love like the balcony spaces love the open light open windows um floor to ceiling windows um huge bathtubs um, and again, like I love the hardwood floors, the island, the kitchen areas, fireplace type of a thing. Oh, and the pools, which in the weather, like that has to be so much fun in the summer. So I hope that this was helpful. Um, just something for you to think about. And and maybe you might want to explore. I think the, the saving for the gold is um, Quicksilver, but definitely go to Crypto Kempire. She has all the deets. Um if you wanted to, to, those are the stock that I am interested in buying, but you know, do your due diligence. I'm not a financial advisor by any stretch of the uh, imagination. I am just a musings of a divine feminine kind of chick just on the, you know, do, uh, airing out my thoughts. And, um, there was something else I was going to say about the 1.5 It's on the tip of my tongue. Tip of my tongue. So what I'll do is I'll, I'm going to log off now. I'm going to drink my turmeric tea. And um, I'm pretty sure when I'm working on the late, on the title and a thumbnail, if it comes to me, I will add it to the bottom of this. But until then, y'all, be blessed. You know, manifest beautiful things and allow yourself to call it in. And like I said, I think the greatest takeaways are... Oh, my gosh hey it wouldn't be my podcast if I didn't have patching on here when I tell you I get like red cheeks every time I'm so embarrassed oh my god
every single time. <laughs> but um but um the takeaways again were um I want to encourage you to invest if you don't, you know, and look for ways to compound, you know. Um setting goals and I think that sharing goals are so important too because for example, like I'm going to buy 39 units. I already mentioned this. I'll sell my car, buy 39 units of Google ads. But it's really cool to hear people say how much they have. And a lot of people trying to get to that 200 unit um, goalpost. Some people obviously have more. But just setting goals for yourself, rebuilding your emergency fund, investing. And if you don't already invest and if you are employed, then you know, consider adding that extra 3%, you know, so that you have 6% for your retirement. Consider squirreling away money and, oh, this was the other thing I wanted to say too. If you play your cards right too with Robinhood, I love it because Robinhood does um, afford you the opportunity to um, have a Roth IRA, a traditional Roth IRA. Wait. A traditional Roth and a uh, Roth IRA. And the cool thing is, this is what I, I think I wanted to say. The cool thing is, so you can um, set up your, your Roth IRA or traditional, depending on, on what, you know, matches your needs. Do your due diligence in both. But I did my, my Roth IRA and they will they will give you 3%. And then I think if you... They will match you up to 3% and then there's like an additional 1%. So you get up to 4%. Like if you um, put your cash in there and get stock and stuff. But but look at the, the, yeah, but I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, you can get up to 4%. They will match you up to 4%. I know it's three of something and then 1% from a different category. But for me, it will total the 4%, which is, I that's great. Um... And so the cool thing too about me doing the insurance agent thing again is that'll be a ten ninety nine, which means um self employed, which comes with so many benefits. I can write off a lot of things that I do. Um, but also there was something else I wanted to say. Uh, one of the things I I kind of like reinforced and learned in my my exam today when I when I was practicing for the exam with the for the group and stuff. Um, your long-term care, because I remember that I can see the question visually, the LTC or the long-term care premium that you pay, um, that is tax deductible. Um, when the employer pays for it, it's tax deductible to the employer. But if you're self-employed, you can deduct that long-term care premium expense. So it's a tax write-off, you know, so, and we've been talking a little bit about what those long-term care benefits are especially you know when you're when you're saying that you can write off premiums that will allow you up to you know the one I have seen was for 20,000 a month um and and which is like whew, more than enough right especially like um when I told you my fitness instructor she's looking for something for her mother-in-law and 5,000 but it's in a nice it's in a nice um city I don't want to give away too much but it's in a nice city. It's an it's one of the more affluent areas out here. Maybe like a book good. I'll say like forty five minutes from here. I used to go to my speech coach out there. Um, back in the days when I was 
I thought I would be walking on stages and presenting and stuff like that. But um, who knows? Maybe I might take classes again from him or not. But um, yeah, so he lives out in that area. And it's one of like the newer developed cities. And they are known for like that zip code has the most, I think, like millionaires. I think women, most millionaire women in the nation and I remember because one of my exes (laughs) one of my exes said he wanted to move out there I never had the desire to move out there it's not my it's not my my thing I love shopping out there oh my god yes I love shopping out there but um one of my exes told me about out there and so he wanted to move out to that area which would be so in his lane like his type of people type of a thing um, he didn't tell me of the part about the women, but, um, because I wasn't real estate at the time I was, I did my research on it and all of the perks and stuff like that. But again, no desire. I, there's nothing, I haven't seen a house out there that I, that I would like, and it's just not close to any of the things that I like, you know, I, I like this side. I like San Diego. Um, I used to want to have a high rise in San Diego, Um, and it's so funny because when I think about the things I used to manifest and then I kind of figure stuff out or do my research and I'm like, eh, not so good, you know, kind of scratch that off the list. I, California is prone to earthquakes. And, um, when that earthquake happened in Florida, um, where the building collapsed, I was like, yeah, no, officially we are done. I, and I don't see myself in a high rise. I can do it too. Two story or even three story. Some of the Summerlin houses now they're making them three and four stories, but, but um, I don't see myself in a. No sir, no ma'am. Like, mm-mm. as much as I love the views and everything, I just think it's a little bit too risky, and it just takes one time. And a lot of the the buildings, although I'm thinking Northern California, like Sacramento, San Francisco. They have some buildings that are starting to like shift and tilt and stuff and they're having to evacuate people. Like one guy I remember like they they had beautiful home, of course, of course. And they they figured something was wrong because you'd put a golf ball on the floor and it would roll down. And uh, and so they're like, yeah, this building is tilting and it's been tilting and we don't know where to go next and da da. There's that over leveraging thing again, right? Like Thinking that you have everything set, thinking you're going to retire there. It was a, it was an older couple. They had bought it, had finished paying it off and, you know, lived nice for the most part. But not thinking like, oh, I'm going to have to re, re, you know, reestablish myself. And what are the odds and how long is it going to take while they're figuring out who's going to get paid and in that type of thing for you to, to relocate and stuff. So... Just kind of move conservatively, you know, and then kind of know your limits too, because I am glad that I, I saw the news saying, not the news, but Robin had sent out the mailer saying that we do FDIC up to 1.5 million, but it's telling me that I need to kind of educate myself more because God forbid I would have been like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to put 2.5 in in Robin Hood and not research, you know, what the FDIC is. The limit is 1.5. Now, if I'm willing to take that risk, then that's on me. But I think I need to be a little bit more hands off and educate myself a little bit more moving forward. And 
and stuff like that. So, but y'all, that would be so funny if, like, I have, like, I'm going to research people who, um, who save gold coins. There's actually this one girl I follow on YouTube, but she has basically uploaded the bulk of her content. So she doesn't upload anymore. Like, I mean, there's not much you can say about the coins, but she was talking about her gold collection or her coin collection. Cause you can buy like silver, you can buy platinum. Um, I'm not sure if you can buy titanium. I could be wrong, but, um, platinum, I know I'm going to have so much fun collecting my coins at some point. But it's like, um, she keeps hers in vaults, um, which that, you know, can have its pros and cons. I know I've been learning about um, offshore accounts, so I'm in the process of learning more about that myself. Um, but not going to go into too much details about that here because I don't want to misconstrue, misconstrue or anything like that. But that's something. So I'm a little bit hesitant about the idea about vaults. But at the same time, the way um, there was another guy I was listening to and he was talking about how you can have your vaults all around the world because if there are things like, you know, certain economies collapse, then you can kind of maneuver. But if they're restricting our traveling and or, you know, they decide to to keep it, then, you know, but you just kind of do the best you can, I think. And who knows, maybe in my future, I'll have like a bunker. (laughs) Oh my gosh, y'all. So I hope this was fun for you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it gives you something fun to listen to for your Saturday going into your Sunday. Um, Yeah, let me go finish drinking this tea. I already went outside and played with my little puppy. He's not a puppy anymore. He's all grown, but... Hey. All right, so I'll talk to you later. Until the next one, bye. So I have found a thumbnail. I just I decided to um, use the a screenshot from my email that I received talking about the 1.5 million FDIC. But if you read the body of the message, I don't want it to be misleading. I do have a little bit of cash in um, my regular account, my regular brokerage account, but I've started a to make sure to put money in my um, Roth IRA um, for tax purposes and, and whatnot. But so there's 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 cash from like back in the days when I used to um, to trade. But here's here's the why kind of knowing math a little bit is important. I did the math on whether it'd be worth it for me to pay five dollars a month and um when you start to do the percentage, like I want to say you would actually be paying them way more than it's worth. Um, even at $5, I want to say like you had to be making, it was thousands of dollars. If I say 50 to $100,000 in cash, not in stock, in cash, um, for you to be able to see the benefits of the five dollars uh, a month, uh, I wouldn't. Mm, but do your do your own di- due diligence, do your math. There is another cool feature that I saw. Um, I have to go back and and study it a little bit and see if it applies to the Roth, um, account. But you can also do stock lending. So, um, they will pay you to borrow your stock. So. Um, if you're not doing options play with those or like leaps, which are also really great for tax, um, tax situations, you get your leap like out. 
366 days out or, you know, two, three years out. Um, like, let's say, let's just say theoretically, right? Not financial advice. If I were to buy 500,000 worth of VTI stock, right? Um, I could have the option to lend it to them or I could, I could do options, um, with that and, or trade in, in that account. So you would have to figure out if it's worth it for you to, um, just lend it out. Um, as long as I would say, this is, this is what I would say. The caveat is if, as long as you're not having to pay to lend it out type of a thing, then it, it might be worth it. But I thought it was funny because that $5, only $5 a month, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, have a couple thousand dollars in there and, and pay $5 a month to get the interest. But I think the return on it, like just do your math on it is what I'm saying. So I, that's what they're referring to. I think I got, if I, if I, if I'm playing you, I already did get a couple of dividend pays for it, but it it wasn't anything to write home about is, is my point. So I'm not going to pay $5 for those types of returns. Not, not with that, but the FDIC thing I think is important. And, and maybe what I'll do is, um, maybe in the next couple of days or so, I will look for the email that talks about the loaning out the stock and maybe just kind of understand it a little bit for myself. And, that that that's something that I can kind of play around with a little bit too. And it just comes down to like, do you just want to not, if you're working a nine to five, you know, married, kids, busy, don't have time to learn it, maybe then lending is better for you. But like how I learn how to trade, if I can do 5% a week, you know, then why would I want to sign up for something that's going to give me 5% a year or stuff like that? If that, um... Right. If it's better for me to just use it and or put it in a leap contract. Part of the reason you want to do it for because I did say 366 days is as long as you um don't sell your stock in less than a year, like it really helps you with your tax, with your taxes and stuff. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Something just a little bit at the beginning, I talked about how. My mentor recommended that we lock up our profit, but that's another way of saying pay yourself. So if you do decide to invest in crypto, forex, stock, um, and let's say you, you decide to do the model similar to what we're doing with the crypto, which is like, okay, we, we try to aim for about 1% a day, 5% a week, take the weekends off give, you know, a couple days here or there for adjustments and stuff like that. Out of that 5%, you should, you know, set aside, lock up your profit because what happens is, um, um, so it's kind of like percentages of percentages, but if you, let's say you, every time you make profit on something, you put aside 30%, 6%, 6%, 15% of your profit and you put it into something that that you can't touch and is going to stay locked and solid. You protect yourself too because sometimes what would happen is like let's say if I made a trade and I got $500 profit and then I reinvest all of it and then I had a loss and I got back 400, I'm I didn't set aside so it'd be better for me to do 500 profit, put $100 into into 
an account or buy buy something or or lock it up with something that is going to continue to grow and reinvest the 400. So even if I lose something, you know, then I still have that 100 as opposed to losing off of that that amount, right? I hope that kind of makes sense. So that's what she means. It's kind of like um that that's what I need to do. So <clears throat> I'm at a point where I'm I'm making profit, but I need to start locking up a percentage of my profit. Um up until this point, I was just reinvesting a percentage to kind of get me past the six-figure threshold. But now that I'm over, crossed over that threshold, I can live comfortably, but I feel like um, um, <laughs> should have been doing it sooner. But like I said, too, I kind of had to dip into it because the past couple of months have been a little wonky. But just restarting that and setting aside, you know percentages of of how much I want to lock up of my profit. So diversifying streams of income, diversifying how you lock up your funds. Um, Just wanted to reiterate that. So several streams of income, but diversifying how you lock it up so I can lock it up in cash value emergency fund. I can lock it up in um, stock. I can lock it up in... um, gold coins or or whatever it is that you know something that I can't that it that that I can turn to liquid but is not being put back out at risk for loss okay hope that helped bye